1: that's right everybody we are back and this is episode 122 customer support for web developers i'm matt that's mike and this week we'll be discussing how web developers should deal with customer support requests and then in the web news a little bit of a twist on the traditional holiday buyer's guide so stay tuned for that now if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show you can go check us out on that patreon leave a review or rating on your podcast app join us on our discord server or share this with your friends and now it is time for our weekly
2: pain points so mike please sir Take it away. Okay, talk about customer support. My weekly pain point directly relies on that. Um, <laughs> it's gonna. I was. I was gonna actually call the company out because I was that angry, and it's a small thing to get angry about. So I'm not gonna call. I'm not gonna call them out. And I still like the product that the company serves, which is donuts. It's a small little local donut shop around me, um, but they have this one fatal flaw, and it honestly, it's it's it was at it was almost at the point where I started to become a Karen. Or whatever the 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 male equivalent of that was. I've gone there. This is the third time now, because I want to get a gift card for my cousins. They love the place. Their kids love the place. Uh, they they have great donuts, right? And it's like I just want to get a gift card. It's the holiday season. Like it's around the holiday season. It, it makes I don't sense want for to, them. It makes sense. Like it's a it's a gift card. Any place I've never. Like in my mind, I've never had an issue like, oh, I'm going to go to a place, get a gift card, give it to them. I go there, wait in line because they usually have a pretty big line. I wait in line, get up to the front. Hi, can I get a gift card? Nope, we don't have any gift cards right now because of COVID. We had to redo our gift, card, uh, our gift card system so we don't have any gift cards right now. That's the first time that I went there and I was like, okay. That's fine. Like, okay, because of COVID. Like, it's, it's weird because, again, you'd think that you would prioritize gift cards. But but, but COVID is weird. So whatever. God knows COVID whether it was weird. like, yeah. we're not
1: printing plastic cards anymore. Like, God knows whether it was their supplier,
2: right? Exactly. Yeah, like, whatever. I was like, that's fine. I go there another two months later. Same thing. I get, I get up to the front of the line. Yeah, we still don't have gift cards, whatever. I was like, okay, that's weird. Like, I want to give money. Like, I want to give you money essentially free money because gift cards are extremely extremely profitable you don't have to give me anything back in them for the return and a lot of the time people don't even use gift cards for years or never so okay you're not going to give me a gift card that's fine whatever i go there another time and this is without the intention of buying a gift card just to get some donuts and they come back and say like okay, and i'm like hey just just curiosity do you guys have gift cards and they're like oh yeah we just got gift cards recently like you know you, it'll be perfect for the holiday season. You can come and get the gift card. And I'm like, should I buy the gift card right now so that I can have it for the holiday season? Or are you going to be like running out of gift cards? They're like, no, we're not going to be running out of gift cards now. Like we fixed our system. Like we, we have a supplier, everything like that. Here we perfectly go. perfectly fine. Like you can come and get some gift cards. Here comes the flaw. Last week, go there to get, get a gift card. Wait in line again. Sorry, sir. We sold out of gift cards. We won't have them for three weeks. And I was like, this is like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, what? how do you sell out of gift cards? Just it's converted to an online system. Call your supplier three weeks. You're selling out of gift cards for three weeks. Like I understand a couple days, like that's Christmas time already, pretty much. So I can't, get. I can't, we can't gift your, your, your restaurant. So again, it's, it's a petty, small thing, but it's such a weird issue to have for a restaurant, for a small local business. This isn't a chain or anything like that. It's a small local business where I'm trying to give them money because I like their shop. And I know that the people that I'm giving to like their shop, but I can't like, it's literally impossible, which is just weird. Yeah. Just that's my weekly pain point. That's it. (laughs) I
1: mean, I will add one little thing to it is that this is why I impulse buy things. So I don't impulse buy like a traditional impulse buyer. What I do is I have a long decision-making process in which I'm like, okay, I have decided that I need X item. So there is, it's not impulses in buy in the moment. But what I then do is I will check, you know, if it's right before Black Friday, right before Boxing Day, right before a sale, a traditional sale at that place. Obviously, I'm not going to buy it until the sale comes out. But in general, I say, okay, I've put so much time into preparing my uh, justification in my head of yes, I need X item that I'm going to buy it, assuming it's at a price that I'm okay with, even if it's not on sale. And I know that that like differs from your method where you prefer to get the best price. I say, no, I want, like, I've decided I want this thing. I put the time in. That's it. Because I know that I'm being, I'm responsible with purchases for the most part. Obviously some people do impulse stuff, but I'm not going out and buying like $700 worth of games every single month. I'm not going out and buying four cars a year. You know, it ain't, it ain't that. So I know that I'm being responsible enough and I know that I will wait for Black Friday and stuff if I can. And I just go and buy it. Like I told you. I have a gaming chair now and when I go to upgrade my chair, like you were trying to sell me on an ergonomic chair, which is totally fine. Like it was comfortable. I sat in it um, and it's fine. But like I'm now a gaming chair guy and I even told you like the next chair I'm getting in a few years, like whatever, I I just got this one. But our next chair that I get is going to be like probably a Titan XL, which is absolutely massive and really freaking expensive in Canada. And even though it's like well more expensive, like over 700% more than what you sent. Like, I just know that, like, I know I'm going to get good use out of my chair. I like this style. This is something I'm willing to buy. And, like, that's just my thing. Now, of course, I will wait for Black Friday and or Christmas sales in general. But, like, if my chair somehow went, like, poof and, like, turned to atoms today, I came downstairs and there's nothing left. It just disappeared. That is what I would buy. And I would just buy it for whatever the price is, basically. Short of it being, you know, out of budget. But that's just the way I, I do it. Because there's a lot of times where I will convince myself not to buy something. And I consider that my savings, if that makes sense. So anyway, little little tidbit on me. Uh, for me, it's specific accommodations. So we have a particular project that we're just having a hell of a time uh, with specific accommodations. I'm going to get into the project name and that for security purpose, but like we have a lot of customers that are trying to use a particular project and they are asking for a lot of things. Now, a lot of things aren't ridiculous. You know, they're not, uh, they're not out of the realm or anything like that. But the point is, is like, the thing we've created is a, I'm trying to be ambiguous. It is a service offering that is a service offering, if that makes sense. Like, it's not something where I am willing to bend much. And so people are contacting us and being like, I want to custom this. I want to custom that. I want this color thing. I want this changed. I want like this. I don't like this alignment. It's like, then please go to another service provider. It's sort of like how if I was trying to buy a couch and I didn't like the the colors that like, a particular brand had, would I call that brand and ask for a specific accommodation? Now maybe. But it but it would be more of an accommodation like, hey, do you guys have red or whatever? And if you don't, then okay, no problem, and I leave. Whereas these people are like specifically asking us to just like, oh, can you just build out these systems in a couple of days and like have them work perfectly? Uh no, that's not that's like that's not a part of our service offering, sir. Like, sorry. It's it it's it's similar to the the incident that we had, Mike and I had, for years and still happening, with friggin' payment methods. We accept so many forms of payment And every single time we talk to a new customer, do you accept this? No, I'm not accepting any of this. This is what I, this is what I provide. I provide these credit cards, PayPal, e-transfer, cash, check. That is it. I'm not not doing some crazy money transfer thing, whatever you want to do. Bitcoin. No, that's it. It's over. You know, that's it. Like I've, I've, there's a line and that's it. So that's what I'm dealing with is how flexible should I be in this particular instance to like because sometimes it's a deal you can't refuse, and it's, so it's messy. So that's my weekly pain point. Um, this week, my show notes are on my phone, so I got my new iPhone for uh, thing, and uh, I thought this was going to be easy to transfer, because I did cloud it, and the formatting got all buggered up, so I'm just going to, <laughs> so I'm just going to be reading this from my phone, uh, but, I mean, it's fine. I have it already. So basically, this episode is going to be about customer support for web developers, right? And, You know, it's it's it's. I think it's a part of our untold story of web development episode. I believe that's what it was called. I think it's a piece of that where it's just something that people don't really consider. They don't consider people are so um, involved, if you will, in you know upgrading their own skills, which is good to build new websites and learn new tools and offer new things. That they often mess like they often like mess up other things. Like for example, they will um, or sorry, they they don't deal with the mess of what comes after is the better way to put it. So, you know, they build out a big customer thing and blah, 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 and it's all ready to go and they fire it out. And then a customer has a problem. That's the thing that's unexpected. Like, oh crap, like I never considered that this needs to be supported. You know, this is a a, a website. It needs to be up all the time. So supporting customers, you know, is actually a big part of a web developer's job. In larger companies, though, support often has its own department that deals with customers as much as possible before contacting developers. So if you're a part of a bigger company or a company that has a support department, maybe this doesn't apply to you. Um, But depending on the size of the support department or whatever, sometimes a developer will be looped in to a customer support uh, thing if a customer finds a really specific bug or has a very specific problem, or if it's a very large customer that doesn't want to go through sort of the the filter that support offers. So oftentimes a support department will be sort of filtered. It'll be internally labeled as tiers, like tier one is they answer the phones and they help with these issues. Then they'll escalate to two, to three, whatever the situation may be for, for a given company. One of those tiers or one of those options that the support staff have is to... Engage a developer sometimes, depending on, again, it is depending on company, depending on what IT system you use, but it is something that, that can come up. So it is important for people in larger companies and smaller companies, but is very important for people in smaller companies, just because the, the rule of multiple hats. So for freelancers like I said and small businesses owner and for excuse me and for small business owners the rule of quote unquote multiple hats dictates that you and your team uh, are playing developer, customer support, designers, you know, whatever else, all the business admin guys, all that stuff and everything in between wearing all those hats. And in order to balance right the influx of support requests you'll uh, as as your company will grow. So Mike and I are having this problem where oftentimes I'll be like, hey, I'm going to go do this for hat or I'm going to do this for customer A. Or, I'm going to do this for customer B. And then I end up on a phone call for literally like four hours with somebody. And it just derails the entire day because they needed help. And it was like somebody we weren't even like talking to for a while and stuff like that. So with that being said, and Mike and I are starting to build this, this is the inspiration for the episode is that it is important to build or to have rather systems in place to mitigate the workload and interruptions that support requests naturally bring. So could you imagine if you... Everyone's been there where they have some sort of project that's needs to be done and you you you're like okay I'm going to schedule Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday I'm going to do all my deep work whatever my productivity system is I'm going to do all my deep work, all my work that day. That's the day, right? I'm going to or th- th- that's the days, the collection of days. And that's going to be a bulk of my work and then I'm going to send it to my colleague and they'll peer review it or they'll work on their part and that's it. And then all of a sudden you get a call that like WooCommerce is down on someone's site. And so now you're like, well, is it my side? Do I have to call WooCommerce? Do I have to call these people? Do I have to call them? Do I have to call these plugin guys? Do I have to, pl- Do I have to call the vendor? And it becomes this whole thing. Now, one way to deal with this is to have something like uh, a compensation network, if you will, set up or compensation method set up. So one of the things that Mike and I offer to, to clients is... Hey, you know, we have three tiers: a low, mid, and a high tier. We charge a certain amount per month in these tiers. You get a certain allotment of hours. You can call us, and it'll be, you know, you get three hours, quote unquote, free within this thing, or six hours, or whatever it is. And then they also get other things in there. So it's like, you know, you are on our list of people that we will look out for emails for. So if you email me, and you know, you're you have one of these, uh, you have one of these, you know, low, mid, high tier maintenance uh, packages then you get a 72 hour response time with a target time of 24 hours which covers us just because we're so small and then that is that's a system for mitigation where if you are super busy for those 3 days working on some other project and you see that someone that is, that has your maintenance package has messaged you try to get to them within a day but don't worry about it if you can't that's the point of the 72 hours and i and i often will answer well within 20 hours but there has been times where i'm like nope this has to be pushed to the side. Like this has to be pushed to the side and make it clear as well. Like for ours, we say it's, it's 72 hour response time, not fixed time because we've had a problem with a vendor one time that lasted a week, week and a half. And it's not on our, it's not on our plate. Like I've caught, con- you know, I did the contacting, I did whatever, but, You can't guarantee a fix, right? It's just sometimes things go down. It sucks. But like, I mean, Google goes down sometimes. YouTube goes down. Like it's just, it's just a reality of, of life. So having something there where, you know, having that compensation network allows Mike and I to feel good about offering support. It doesn't feel like an interruption. And now there's a structure where I can say, I can say, yeah, I am going to wait two days or you know what? Like this is, this is really quick. I'm going to skip lunch and I'll just message this person or, you know, at lunch, I'll just text this person. Stuff like that. And it makes you feel good about ha- like talking to them. It makes it not an obstacle. It makes it part of your workflow and part of what you're being compensated for. So that's one way we're dealing with it. And larger companies will have more complex IT systems. And you can look those up. Big ticket softwares and stuff like that. Um, but that's that's basically how we've been dealing with it currently. Now, talking about ticket systems. There's a lot to be said about ticket systems. Ticket softwares, And most of the time, it's all complaints, right? <laughs> people hate it. Like, I don't like, I don't like Jira. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this, whatever. There's a whole bunch of ticketing softwares out there, right? But it usually boils down to them being a necessary evil. So people just, people just like to bitch about stuff. I, I do it. <laughs> Mike does it. Everyone does it. Everyone, everyone complains to an extent. Uh, in general, of course. But at the end of the day, ticketing softwares do help. You know, they're pain, sometimes they're slow, sometimes they're bulky, sometimes they're bureaucratic, sometimes they're not set up right, sometimes the app, the mobile app sucks, whatever it is, they are necessary evil, right? Nobody likes using clunky or cumbersome software to document what they've done. And that's basically what ticketing is, right? So no one likes no one likes to have an obstacle for documentation. So if you think about it, if it would be nice, and, and this is impossible, at least with current technology, it'd be nice if I had an idea for an app. And I could click a button, and the app is created. And because we don't have that, we as humans, whatever, need to document steps. Now, whether that, whether those steps are things like stuff that you have done, like, hey, this is how I fixed this for this client, or stuff that you should be doing, like, hey, I need, you know, please give me a ticket for me fixing this navbar, and then I'll get to it, and then I'll remember it because I'll see it in my ticket queue, type of thing, that type of thing. It just makes more sense in the moment. You know, sometimes, or mo- actually, no, just logically, it just makes more sense in the moment to just do whatever it is, and to skip this, skip using any software at all, right? It just you're if you're in the moment and you're like, man, I really need to fix that database. Do I really need to like stop what I'm doing, go over to my ticket software and type it in? Even if my even if you like your ticket software, do you really need to do that step? And the answer to that, honestly, is yes, right? So, I'll get into that right now. So the mentality. The mentality of I don't need to document things, right, may work for smaller companies. I'll say that right now. Don't get bogged down in your ticket software. Don't get bogged down in writing everything down, especially if it's a really, really, really tiny request. Don't get bogged down, right? If you're a person that's like, man, I don't have a ticket software, but you got two customers, like probably don't worry about it. Maybe write stuff down if you need to but just, or write down what you think is important. But like the mentality of like, I'm just going to skip the the documenting because it's just adding to my time. And I just want the actual work to be done, right? That works for smaller companies because these smaller companies will receive support requests extremely rarely generally. And then let's say like you have a client that calls you once a year on average. If you were to like have a ticket for that person, now you're adding bureaucracy. That person has to file a ticket. You put the ticket in. Now you've solved the ticket. Then you write your notes. If the chances of the person that's going to be dealing with the ticket that comes from that client in the next year, because I said once a year this person calls you, if they're never going to refer to the previous year's stuff, then that's useless documentation. So, like, I'm absolutely on your side there, right? And that's when some of the bitching about ticket softwares can become real, because some people get, like, all equipped. It's sort of like the Twitch streamer that gets all equipped and buys all the, like, special stuff and RGB and stuff like that, and then can't talk in front of the camera, Or whatever, and then it's just sort of like he's like, "Well, why doesn't anyone follow me?" It's like, "Well, I'm not following you because your 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 desk glows purple," (laughs) like you know, I'm not like it's that's not why that's not why like Twitch uh, viewers watch Twitch, so that type of stuff, right? Absolutely. Uh, also the mentality of skip the documentation absolutely works for an emergency situation where the fixing of a particular issue quickly far outweighs the need to write it down for future reference. If something went down and you absolutely need it right now, it's sort of what Mike and I were just referring to actually as a balls to the wall situation. That's what I always say. And basically it's like, all right, everybody, we need to get this going right now. We need to get this going right now. I don't care how you do it, when you do it, whatever I want the documentation at the end personally, but if you can't get to the documentation, the point of this is to is to quite literally get this working now so that this person stops calling me. This person can log in now. This person can do their job now. This person can buy stuff They like their e-commerce stores back. I don't care what it is. That's that's what that's what we're dealing with. Uh, or like, that's, that, that's one of the, that, that's how you deal with that type of situation is forget the tickets for now, <laughs> you know, forget writing it all down. Let's get this up because then, then if anyone's freaking out, you're just like, no, no, it's no, fixed. It's fixed. It's fixed. And you can do the ticket later, right? You can fill in the documentation and how you fixed it and everything right now, outside of situations like this. Okay. Bring it back to the, the need for these ticketing softwares and this documentation, having properly documented tickets, notes documentation or just something someone can refer to depending on how big your company is and what you prefer to use right a client's request in the future might hinge on your notes from today so think about that so let's say a client comes to you and let's just say a ticket gets auto generated you're in some you you have like a, an auto generated thing and, a, and a, a a highly severe incident happens where someone's database keeps turning off i don't know the database server keeps turning off if that issue is complex and if the or if the issue seems easy and the uh, solution is complex, right? Or both. <laughs> if the situation is complex and the solution's complex, that documentation may just save hundreds hundreds of hours in the future if that same issue arises, right? Cuz the person might go through their might go through the knowledge base and be like, "Oh, this is how they fixed it." Or it might even give them a hint as to where to look, right? It is exceptionally valuable. And that is why today, you know, day of that ticket, day of that incident, it seems like, Christ, like, I don't want to write this down. But then in a year when someone calls you and be like, Christ, I remember dealing with this. It was a pain. I don't remember what I did. I don't remember what I did. And it's going to be like a panic, right? So imagine a situation where you always renew a customer's plugin, um, plugin license on October 1st. Okay. And then on on October 2nd, the customer contacts you saying that they're having problems with that particular plugin. Now, if support staff is unaware uh, of the license changeover, their troubleshooting may may take you know a lot a lot of time. Like they are a lot of time. Like they might look at the server, like the up status, they might be checking if it's updated, they might be checking whatever. But if they're able to click on, you know, they they see in the software that, oh, the license was supposed to be applied yesterday, the very first thing they're probably going to check is, let's just check to make sure that license key rolled over. Oh, it didn't? Let me put the new one in. Okay, perfect. Done it saves all that troubleshooting step it saves that panic it saves whatever because you just the client calls and you you have the records on your phone you look and you go like oh then you're going to then you're going to say oh you know what it was probably just a license i bought it don't worry let me just apply it and it and it, and it it's a bit of solace for you and for the client cuz the client's like oh okay like you're on top of it already like something went wrong but like you already know what's going on and you can you know do your thing and so that offers like a bit of solace and a bit of uh, it adds to their confidence level in you usually as well um now this goes doubly for support requests that become very complex. So just retouching on that again. And if the if the situation I'm trying to think of like a rule of thumb to like sort of sum this up. I guess it'd be like if the situation r- results in you being like questioning where the solution was, why the solution was in a particular spot, whether it's in the software or the hardware, how troubleshooting got you there. If troubleshooting takes a long time, that, I think, those things are a rule of thumb for you to write it down. That means it's complex enough for you to write down. I I will always remember, there's a couple of tickets in my life that I will never forget because they were so damn weird. We've had, like, failure down to, like, NDP requests. Like, serious, like, serious, serious stuff that is... Like hard to detect, like hard to detect because that's not where we were looking because we've never had that happen before. You know, it's one of those things. And that is something that I absolutely documented with proof and like forums and God knows what else. And I even, I even like it. So here's another little, little small tidbit. If you're a person that finds the solution after hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and it's on like Stack Overflow or whatever on another website, I don't care and you find that solution, you do not save that damn link. You save the link, and you damn well save that page. Like, I mean save it so that you don't need the internet to access that page. Because someone can delete that post. Someone can delete that page. That website might go down. So yeah, keep the link in case you need updated information, in case that thread gets updated, absolutely. Step one. Step two, and I would say they're both mandatory, you frickin' save that page. You print that page as a PDF, and you frickin' attach it to that ticket. I don't care. Because if someone might need that code snippet, someone might need that database thing, someone might need that weird, like someone might need, need to know the the filters for Wireshark to like test some from network snooping. doesn't matter. You save that page if it's critical. If it's something that makes you kind of wipe your brow and go like, whew, that was weird. Write that down. Because you're trying to make the next guy go, oh, let me take a look here. Oh, okay. Let me just set up Wireshark and see if the same thing's happening. See how much calmer it is? Even if it's a big problem, it's like, see how much like, ch- like more chill it is? And so that's where the investment of having documentation really helps because it's also mitigating, uh, the, the interruption, if you will, it's, it's mitigating the interruption. So if you like, you're working away on something and then someone texts you and like you, you have that 72 hour thing. If it's something really critical though, like if you notice it out of the corner of your eye, you are going to get distracted by it. Right. Like, even though you're like, oh, 72 hours, like I can push it away. Yeah, you can. But, like, you are are probably going to start, or at least in my case, I'm going to start, like, worrying about it or get, like, annoyed by it. And I'm going to want to fix it right away. So having documentation and stuff like that is absolutely critical and absolutely something that needs to happen, basically. Um, Now, this is also, like, this is sort of nicely transitions, I suppose, into the next part, which is, you know, support support time is, is, is also very important,
2: you know? So, so before, before you transition fully, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the ticketing software because, and, and the documentation side of things, because currently in our, in our team that I'm working on right now that I'm working with, we're actually in the process of putting some documentation rules in place. Uh, So before we were kind of willy nilly about it, we did use JIRA for ticketing, um, and we use JIRA for documentation. We also use readmes in our repos for some sort of documentation on the actual repo., mm-hmm. yep. so if we have any installation guides or any any FAQs, that, that's where we would put it. But there was no strict guideline for it, and there was nothing there. So we're in the process of currently kind of trying to push the entire team to use the software that's available to us. and the only way to do it, and this inclu- this is including myself, is to buy in. You have to have the buy-in. Because if it's like, oh, I'll use it whenever, like I'll use it once a week, like it's never going to work. It's going to be completely useless. You have to make it part of your workflow. So there's a few things that we've learned as a team from that is that like when you're doing your daily stand-ups or when you're doing whatever, your weekly meetings, however you do your meetings, you speak to the board. So the board of the JIRA tickets, the board, whatever you're working on currently, the documentation, you speak to the documentation. So when you're talking about a certain thing like when 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 one of your when one of the team is talking about a task that they're working on they need to be talking about a task that's currently present in the Jira board because then everyone can open that task everyone can take a look at what's been done there's comments on there and all that and it it's can all be viewed if you don't do that it's going to fall through the cracks just like at least 50% of the time And as much of a pain as it has been to get into that mindset, because again, like Matt said, no one really wants to use documentation software. No one's like, you know, getting super excited to, you know, fill in their JIRA ticket. It has been an absolute necessity. We don't use it probably enough yet, but we are getting there. I know larger companies for documentation wise, anytime they write code, they have to use, they have to put in almost the exact same amount of time into writing the documentation for that code. Or anytime they solve a ticket, they have to put in that amount of time to writing out the ticket. That's kind of their rule of thumb. And they, they provide that time, like paid time for their uh, employees to do it, which makes sense. Because again, like Matt said, it could save hundreds of hours. It could save thousands of dollars. It could save it could save millions of dollars if it's like a critical bug that's happening to a payment system or something. Like, there's so many little things that it could save in time, and especially when you're documenting like code snippets, when you're doc- when you're documenting uh, code bases. If you're if you're a company that constantly turns out projects and being able to reuse a project that's well documented and well structured, that will save you amount like pr- development time. That will save you production time. That will save you debugging time. It's just it. It's one of those things that you have to put the exact uh, investment in. you have to have the buy-in. That's the one thing that's ex- that's hard to get but absolutely necessary. You need your entire team to buy in. If one person on your team doesn't buy in, you have to have a sit down with them being like, why is this not working for you? Um, how how can we make it better for you? and if we can't, then we'll have to think of different ways to proceed. like that I mean it, r- realistically like the different ways to proceed would be they would have to get laid off probably or fired because if you can't buy in like that's it as, as good of a make developer it a as you are. Of the job. like if if, exactly. if it's
1: if it's going to save you thousands of dollars and you hire somebody and they're not going to buy yeah. in then it's just it's it's effectively like effectively they are not uh doing their job like they're not yeah, doing a portion not, of the job
2: exactly it's not they're not doing their duties so you have to make it to that level otherwise people are not going to do it period yeah. And yeah, sometimes people will like, you know, lag behind a f- couple of days, you don't have to come down on them too hard. But if you're seeing like a weekly trend of, of, of one person or one team, that's just not using documentation, that's when you have to kind of pick up the slack and make sure that they're getting stuff getting getting uh, their stuff together and getting the documentation on board, because it saves time in the end, it, it 100% saves time. And it makes it so much easier to track the amount of work that's been done on a project It makes it just I don't know. It it also gives a purpose. Like when you have a lot of tasks to do, like I'm in this, I'm in the spot where I just have an overload of tasks that I need to do. And a ticketing software or a task management software, which Jira kind of combines both into one, uh, allows me to kind of formulate my day and document my day as I'm doing it. Cause like if I complete a task, I'll document what I completed in a comment and then link it, link someone else in the team to kind of verify it or if I have any questions. And it's kind of, it just makes – it it rounds out the project a little bit better for me, and that's what I've noticed when I've actually bought in. Before buying in, it was just a nuisance.
1: And and you and I uh, had this problem with Asana as well. Like, we, we tried Asana. Nothing wrong with it, whatever. And, like, it was just not a high buy-in, and we kept saying, like, oh, we'll do it this way. We'll, like, add a board here, and, like, we'll use this new update. We'll add this board stuff, and it just, like, I personally wasn't there. I was using Microsoft stuff because that's what I always use, and – it just became sort of a mess in that way. And so there has to be that buy-in. Like there has to be that buy-in. And anything that Mike and I have bought in, if you're not even talking about documentation, if you're talking about anything, when when Mike and I decided, okay, you know what? these These guys are calling too much. We need to have a price associated with their website's maintenance and, you know, make them fair and all that. But make it so that they're questioning whether to call us because they're just calling us all buddy-buddy, which is fine, whatever. And we are like that with some clients because it's like maybe they're like serial entrepreneurs and you know you have to pick your, pick your like how you handle different clients, especially when you're a smaller company, um, so that you gain like talking to a serial entrepreneur more like a friend uh, and like less like, no, please file a ticket, you know, isn't going to go well with them typically, not in our experience, but someone who is just an office worker who is constantly calling you for every little tiny thing. If you associate a price with it, they stop calling you and their product is not worse off for it. It's just, they need to think like, oh, I better not waste my three hours, right? And and, and that, that makes it better for you because now you're getting less distractions. Their software is not, not uh, suffering for it. And now there's an expectation where they know what's going to happen when they have trouble or when they need to call. They Now they know. And it's not this weird like, they keep calling you and you're constantly being interrupted right because a lot of clients will call you with just ideas which is fine but sometimes like we have we have quite it's, a few people that call us that have ideas that never act
2: it's it's fine when it's once in a while like you again it's it's that it's that like you got to be flexible to a certain degree, but as soon as it becomes a routine, that's when you have to put the boundaries in.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like a serial what? entrepreneur is usually more mm-hmm. sporadic and therefore they'll call you maybe three times in a week, but then not call you for th- four months. And so if, if you're a person that's like, hey, I, I do want to work with this guy. This guy's pretty smart. This guy's pretty brilliant. And I do want to be involved in his web projects or whatever, then absolutely, you know, be the person you need to be, like be flexible and, you know, be buddy-buddy, whatever, and, and have normal, non-timed, whatever, conversations. But if this person decides, I'm going to call you every single day for an hour, I'm going to use up your 9 to 10 a.m. every single day, and no. Like, now, my other work is suffering. Like, my business is not, it's that whole, like, goal thing that I said in the pre-show, which is going to be our first pre-show. It's, it's, it's the whole goal thing that I said, where it's like, you are no longer uh, pushing the business forward, this thing is holding the business back. That like routine. But this guy calling you, you know, three times in a week and then not calling you for four months is not holding you back because maybe he has great ideas. Maybe it, it excites you about the industry. Maybe it makes you look at your projects differently. And if that's a value, which we have some clients that are like that, then that's a value. Push your business forward and get compensated where you need to be whatever, 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 whatever you need at that moment, whether you need money, whether you need inspiration, whether you need whatever, push it forward. And that goes. And, and and the reason why I mentioned this in the support episode is just like Mike saying, like support can be a huge anchor. Support can be this thing where it's like, like, and we've experienced it recently this year. Fuck. Like I can't get anything done because every single time I go to go do something, someone's calling me. So now I get a phone call and now someone's trying to call me. Now someone's complaining via email and someone's doing this and someone's doing that. And we've like, this is the, and I've said I've said this before, but this is the year in which I've been like, you know what? This is the level of customer service I'm offering. This is the willing, this is how much, fle- how flexible I'm willing to be. And this is how I'm being. If you don't like our service and like, we used to always bend to the will of the customer every single time, right? Customers always write that mentality. We're not being jerks our customers, nothing. But if they're overstepping, we don't say, Hey dude, you're overstepping, but we do say, sorry, man, like, I really don't offer that service. If it if that's actually true, right? We don't lie, we don't do anything. But before we'd be like, man, like, we should try to like, find these guys a better thing. Or like, man, we, we should just try to f- like, figure out how to finish this project. But then it it results if we're too busy, it results in too much work. It results in too much work. And now the work that we do for each of our customers is suffering. And the suffering of the work for the customers is going to bring the business down. Therefore, sadly, You have to like say to this guy, sorry, I don't have time. Sorry, this has now been delayed because you were delayed. Like you just have to lay it down, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's ridiculous. And that is very critical for support calls. Support calls are very strange in that support, like people are already going to be calling you that are going to be pissed off. And I'm actually going to touch on that at the end. So I don't want to get too into it, but people are already going to be mad. And so, so you just have to be nonchalant with it. And I'll get into that in a bit. So jumping into the next sort of segment here. So support time is, is also very important, right? The amount of time you spend on it. And websites are almost always a 24-7, 365 business. Short of it being specifically up for some sort of event that's limited time, for the most part, it, they're supposed to be up all the time and just up and running. Now, when your team is small or even if your team is large but isn't 24-7, you know, it's absolutely critical to set up boundaries on when customers can call support. Right. You're not gonna be available at 5 a.m. You're not gonna be able to be available on Christmas. You're not gonna be available on this day. You're not gonna be available on St. Patty's Day. I don't care. Right. You have to set these boundaries. Now, if you're a person that cares deeply about work-life balance, then setting these strict time periods when support requests can happen is very important to maintain that balance. I have a whole nother cell phone that I have to carry around now. And it is already helping me. There's been times where I'm like, man, that was a lot of work today, like a lot of freaking calls. I did over like three or four hours of calls yesterday. It felt so good to put the iPhone down, click the do not disturb switch, leave it on the desk front, like desk face down and walk away. And now my phone is my phone. I can still look at my phone. I'm not going to be scared to look at my phone. Like I've done my work for that day because I also did other stuff. And like, that's it, right? I've done my work for that day. And so that's like a strict, like, no, if you're going to call me for support, I'm going to see it next time I actually like start working again. Right. That type of thing. Now. I've already mentioned this, but decide on a level of customer service that you are willing to provide and rarely, if ever, stray from it. Some customers will, will just keep pushing for more and more support and more features and more like scope creep for no additional compensation. Set your limits and pricing and stick to them. Short of a deal you can't refuse, just this is like you, you choose the limit. Someone comes to us and says, I need you to design this crazy thing. And I need you to accept some crazy uh, uh, money transfer thing, but I'll pay you 15 million. Mike and I are going to be pretty damn flexible. <laughs> like, of course we want the 15 million. Yes, sir. You tell us how you like what payment method. But if someone comes to us and says, hey, you know, I I want like this maintenance package and it's $200 a month. Uh, and, you know, I really want to pay with like check that's in a different currency that like is some crazy, I don't know, I'm just making something up then it's like, sorry, sir, we accept checks of this type. We accept credit cards and that's it. Like that is what we accept. I'm not willing to bend my rules that I've set forth for $200. Like it's just, just straight up not worth it. And that's, that's how we treat it. Now here's sort of the part where you can, this, this is sort of the thing that I've been learning this year. And this is a big inspiration as well for this year, uh, for this episode is, you know, don't, don't be afraid to push back on customers if they're being demanding. Now, remember that if you're processing support requests, you're already talking to someone that doesn't want to call you, but needs to call you because something is wrong. So you're not always talking to someone at their best. And more often than not, you're actually talking to somebody that is already angry and annoyed. That person, like we've had, we've had calls where uh, one of our clients is the support for his own product and we've helped him sort of engineer the product. And he calls sometimes and he'll be like, man, this person was really annoyed, really mad. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And that's literally how I answer like, yeah. And it's like, well, really? Like, you know, we don't want people to be mad. It's like, they're going to be mad. These people are not going to be happy because they're calling you for help. God knows how long they've been trying to fix something on their computer and they couldn't get it done. So they had to call you. God knows how busy they are and really wanted to get X thing done on your, on your software that they couldn't get done. Now they have to call you. They are going to not be at their best. They are going to be mad. That is the reality. But you have to just be like, okay, like you're mad. And, and, and it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow when, when quote unquote, the customer is always right. And don't be a dick, right? Like, don't, don't tell them off. Don't do whatever. Offer them solutions. Help them out. Absolutely. But just don't get animated when they're mad. Like, of course they're mad. I have a support thing I have to deal with tomorrow because someone is two weeks late, didn't contact me. The form was broken. I'm not going to call these people out. The form was broken. The part number was broken. This was broken. The, there was something wrong. There's Now there's a duplicate ticket. All I'm trying to do is order a part. Now I'm, now, and this is like me personally, now I'm pissed off. So I'm calling them tomorrow and I'm going to be freaking pissed because this is ridiculous. And that is what is going to happen. And so if that, if all of this company that I'm going to call support staff would be would get animated every single time that somebody was pissed off the support would just crumble it'd be like the support would be afraid like oh my god the support teams especially if they're uh staff that are experienced are just used to it like hello welcome to x customer support i might I help you someone's screaming and yelling and hollering okay sir like so you have a problem with your laptop you know they don't care because at the end of the day it's them having to solve or at least assist with a problem and that's it and that's how you should treat it as well Some people are going to like, think about this, think about this. Let's say your, your, your customer's entire business is online. Their entire business is a blog with an e-commerce store. And that entire thing goes down one day. That customer is going to be, let's say on a normal day is super nice. That customer is going to be potentially freaking the hell out, freaking out, yelling, screaming, calling you out, doing whatever. Now, yes, you shouldn't put up with abuse and yes, 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 all the rest of it. But the point of the matter is you are going to be dealing with it. People are going to be yelling at you. People are going to be upset with you. People are not going to be happy with your service in the moment. What do you need to do? You need to just fix that. And you need to do it within the customer service boundaries, whether it be a service agreement or whatever, that you have set forth. And you can quote that. So we've had, like, if, if one of our customers has the 72-hour thing, called us out after 48 hours and said, we really need help here, I'd be like, I know, I'll be, I'll be with you within 24 hours. You know, I'm not afraid to say that. Now, again, we're smaller, so I'm not, like, it sounds like I'm trying to be a jerk. But what I'm trying to do is is control, control the amount of support, control the amount of help based on price. If someone is well overpaying you, like they offered you a really good deal and you just went for it, yeah, be flexible, you know, bend to their will, whatever. Uh, same with like the serial entrepreneurs. If you find them super valuable and you want to just have a chat with them sometimes, even if it's a personal chat on work time, but it's, it is going to push the business forward overall, yeah, you know, be flexible. But you have to know... We, I just dealt with an email that was like somebody saying like, I can't do this thing that everyone else can do. And I, and like, I just did it and like everyone else is doing it and no one else is complaining. So you help them as much as you can, but they're, they, they're threatening to just leave. Or like if, if they're threatening to leave, like that's a common one, like, oh, I'm just going to go buy a Samsung TV. Then if, if my, if you guys won't help me at LG or whatever, right. That's a common thing. Thanks for being a customer. Thank you for continued interest. Have a nice day. Like offer the solution be there for them but just be like firm in in how to deal with it and have a way to deal with it because the chances of me like i'm a pretty high-strung person as you can probably tell from listening to the podcast the chances of my my cause of death will more than likely be a heart attack because i'm probably it's probably gonna happen it's probably just gonna happen like i am a very high-strung person i'm very animated all the time i worry about a lot of stuff I'm always checking things like... It's probably going to happen. Like straight up, I just don't care. Like it's probably what's going to happen to me. But I don't need the added like stress of being like... Fuck, this person emailed me. Holy crap, what do I do? This person's mad. I don't need it. I like stonewalled it in my brain. Like, okay, this person needs help. I will help. Here's your support articles. Here's how you do this. Please call this person. Please email this person. Please check this. Check that. It sounds like you're having trouble with this. We should have a call. Whatever. You're going to get angry and animated. then, Then they're angry. Like, okay... You know, and, and it takes a lot to make me budge, but I think that as long as you set your, your limits within a, a reasonable, uh, you know, customer helping way that helps most customers, if not all customers, then you're fine. But people are just going to be pissed. Like imagine like your car breaks. How many like pissed off people do car mechanics deal with? Even when it's just like your mom and pop car shop, probably a bunch. Cause they're not happy that they're paying you to fix a car. Always bring it back to the car because it's something so basic. It's just take all the tech out of it. Car. (laughs) Go to shop. And they're, they probably deal with a whole bunch of pissed off people. I've called uh, dealers pissed off before. I've called my dealer pissed off. Something broke in my car after I bought it. I was pissed. So yeah, like, and, and, and that doesn't, I want to be totally clear here. Like, don't be that guy that's swearing and yelling at them and stuff like that. Like, don't be that. But when I get pissed, like I used to be pretty animated on the phone sometimes, I would never like threaten or anything, but I would swear sometimes and stuff like that. Um, but I would never like go off the off the rails. That's ridiculous. Um, but I will, like nowadays I'm a lot calmer, and I will like maybe I'll swear here and there and be like, "Well, for fuck's sake, come on guys." You know something like that. Like where I'm clearly animated, but I'm not like attacking. Like I don't want to be the attacker. So like when I call this company tomorrow, I'm going to stonewall them and be like, "No, I filled in your form and your form's broken. I'm not filling in the form again because it's not going to work." You guys are gonna deal with this now. Oh, I'm not gonna deal. No, you're dealing with this now, or I'm gonna like, you know, I'll switch cut. I'll see, like pulling those, pulling the stops So I'm gonna switch to another customer. Or I'm gonna switch to another another company, or I'm gonna go to another place for parts, or I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do, and they have to deal with me. But I'm not gonna be on the attack. I'm just gonna be like, no, I need help now because of this. Here's my reasoning, and now I'm like, I'm pissed, but I'm not attacking. That's the better way to do it, to be clear, and. Your customers, reason why I mentioned this, your customers, especially if they're versed in calling support all the time, especially if they're like a manager of sorts, they'll do that too. They, they know what they want out of the call and they will, they will not be angry necessarily. Well, they'll be angry, but they will be like stonewall angry. If that makes sense. Where it's literally just like, I want you to do this and you're going to do this or I am leaving. This is my decision. So do it now or I'm leaving. And sometimes like, that might really scare you depending on how big the customer is and you may have to be flexible, but sometimes you're just like, man, this guy's paying $100 a month. Get out of here later. Thank you for c- your continued interest. Have a nice day, right? So don't be attacking. Don't be like swearing at people and doing stuff like that. Don't be like jumping on them like you know Twitter rage. Don't be doing that, but be firm. You know, As the person that's asking for support sometimes and as the person that's receiving or uh, that is the customer support rep sometimes, you just have to be nice but firm sometimes you know and if you're really animated and you say fuck's sake guys you know whatever who cares but if you're one of those people that think that like you're jumping on the person and swearing at them and stuff like that it's not gonna work it's just it just doesn't work because support staff are trained I guess I don't know if they're actually trained but like me answering so many support calls this is why I'm just like a stone wall (laughs) now where I'm like this is my level of customer support I'm going to offer and then nothing's gonna get by.
2: They're also human. That's another that's another aspect of this. Like I personally, I've never gotten pretty much anything when I was frustrated and angry. I've been frustrated and angry of support a couple times when it's just when it was warranted. But I essentially at that point I always get stonewalled. I always get like just trying to get me off the phone because I'm being I'm being I'm not being aggressive, but I'm being hard to work with at that point and so the the customer service rep knows that the faster they get me off the phone the better it is for them they can get pick up the phone because i'm just trying to you know i'm trying i'm trying to delay them essentially and trying to get what i want by not being helpful whenever i've been polite and firm and nice and just clear with what i want just i like I say exactly what I want. Sometimes like for instance, if I'm calling into a cell phone company and I want my, like I saw a better plan and I want them to upgrade me to that plan, lower the amount of money that I'm paying and give me the stuff that I saw. I will I will just clearly say that, hey, I, I, saw, this on, I saw this plan online. Uh, you know, someone posted it on the internet. Um, I've been a customer with you for so many years. I'm wondering if I can get on that plan. 90% of the time I can, get something out of that if i call in and i just start like being angry with them being like hey i saw this plan online and it's bullshit that i'm not honored already like exactly. i shouldn't exactly. have to call you you know what i mean like as soon as you become aggressive like that i you don't get anything done being polite clear with what you want will get you farther 90 percent of the time and like you can and and like i used to be like that to be to be totally
1: like to admit that I, not like mm-hmm. not like crazy like i would never threaten people but like i would be like what the fuck is this like this is fucking bullshit like i would get really animated you know not to swear a bunch but like i would get really animated on the phone i would but now it's it's much calmer it's just better right and i know that there's people out there that take it to the extreme where they're literally threatening people on twitter and stuff it's like dude just stop like and 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 to be fair as well you know it's probably the, the the youth because I was in my youth when I when I was, like, very demanding and stuff like that. Uh, that's fair not, not fair. Always, and but not not fair. Always. It's not always. But not always, yeah. Absolutely I, not.
2: I have seen plenty of grown men and grown women go after customer service staff. And it's just – it never ends well. Like, you just you, – you almost never get what you want. Yes, a couple of times you'll, you know, ask for the manager. and The manager will come in and maybe comp your meal or maybe give you a, a break at some point just to get you off the phone. But, like – Being firm and polite and nice will get you that 90% of the time. If you find like, you know, a hair in your food and you call over the manager or the waiter and be like, hey, you know, I found a hair in my food. I don't feel really comfortable eating that. Is there anything you can do? 99% of the time that restaurant will replace your food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the exact same way that if you just make a scene in there and they'll replace your food too. Like, uh, yeah, they'll replace your food to try to, to get you to shut up like that 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 will but it work feels, but it feels
1: bad like it feels cheap yeah. it feels like a cheap but it, it, it's a much more civilized way to just um that happened to uh us i remember we went to a uh, montana somewhere here i'm not gonna yeah. say which one and like you guys all ordered dinner and i I'd, I'd, I'd already eaten so i just grabbed a salad because i just wanted to like eat with you guys type of thing a snack mm-hmm. and like my salad came really late <laughs> and they just gave it to me for free and i didn't yeah. i i can't remember whether i said anything or like i definitely wasn't like yelling at them But I can't remember Mm -hmm. whether I said anything or whether I was kind of snarky where I was just like, well, it'd be kind of nice to get like the thing that's uncooked with the stuff that's cooked or something, Mm -hmm. but like not, you know, yelling, swearing. And then they just like came over and comped me and it wasn't like I had to yell and raise my voice. And at at most I made a snarky comment, but it wasn't like, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and they, they kept you as a customer. Yeah. I've been back there a few times.
1: Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You've
2: been back there a few times. I mean, yeah, if they didn't comp it, you probably, you might've still been a customer, but the chances would have been lower. And for them, it doesn't cost them much to to do those kinds of nice things. It just makes logical sense. So a lot of the times the waiters are incentivized to make sure that the customers are happy and to be able to comp meals and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of that infrastructure in place at a lot of restaurants and a lot of different places. Like if you call into your cell phone company, I I urge you to do it because if you call in, there's a chance (laughs) that they could give you a better plan. Just be polite, be firm, be nice. And be like, hey, I've been with you for this amount of time. Is there anything out there that's better for me right now? I'm thinking about switching plans. Like just, you know, say stuff, be firm, be nice. And there, there's infrastructure in place. Like these people aren't just like making stuff up out of their head. They have stuff in front of them that helps them deal with the situation. And the more clear and uh, constructive the situation is, the easier it is for them to use those tools to help you. Yeah. And it goes it goes the same way with us. If we get a customer that you know their site is down and they call us and be like, hey, just notice the site is down. Just wondering if you have any, any in- insight on that. I'm going to deal with that a lot easier and better than this customer calling us and just screaming at us because their site is down. Oh, yeah. I'm just – just from a human perspective, I'm going to be a lot more nervous and a lot more flustered if they're yelling at me. So I'm going to give them a worse service not in spite but in – in direct relation to their yelling.
1: Yeah, because you're just like, man, I just need to deal with this person and get them out of the way. Whereas the other person's like, damn, this person's sights down. I just need to fix it. Yep. It's a totally different approach. And and for me, like, I I mean, I'll admit it. I can sometimes be pretty spiteful. And sometimes if somebody does call me like that, I'll be like, it's 72 hours, bud. I'll talk to you in 72 hours. And I yep. haven't had to do that, but it is something in, in, in my toolkit. And like, whether that's a, a character flaw or whatever, but like, if someone's going to come to you and just... If someone's calling to you in a frantic mess, you can tell and you can excuse it. If someone's being like, I'm just going to tell these people off and call them idiots, then it's like, all right, if I'm an idiot, go to another web developer. Bye. You know, not, and, and, and that, that's where that's, that being firm, but like, okay, my customer service has, my customer service wall has been breached. (laughs) Like if I'm an idiot, then I, I can't help you. Sorry. Like, that's just the way it is. And so. It's a weird topic to talk about and it's weird to like sort of be pushing back against customers, but it is something that does sometimes need to happen. Um,
2: But just to be clear, it very, very rarely if ever happens. Yeah, I've never had to pull out that 72-hour
1: thing in my whole whole career.
2: Exactly. And and rarely have we ever actually done the 72-hour thing even. Like the only times where our time is actually 72 hours is when like both of us are on vacation or one of us is on vacation and the other person just doesn't get the message or something like that. It's maybe happened like – I don't even, I can't think of a time where we actually took 72 hours. Most of I, the time we I understand Recently under I recently did, it, but
1: it was like, this is a very minor request and I'm exceptionally busy. So I'm waiting the 72.
2: Yeah. And so it wasn't like, even it, the full it,
1: 72. It was like I answered in the third day.
2: Yeah. So it just, it just happens so rarely, but it, it, it's always nice to have that there. I, I like to say like, uh, it, um, aiming for 24, but up to 72 hours. That's the kind of, that's the kind of way I respond to customers. And sometimes, you know, you have to take that 72 hours. Sometimes if you need more time, and I have done this before, and if you're on a, on a vacation, I'll actually send back an email kind of like right away when I get it and be like, Hey, I'm just out. Uh, I'll be, I'll be able to get back to you next week. I've had to do that a couple of times.
1: Yeah. So being honest I, is is a big one. Like if you, exactly. cause like you, you were, like you said, you Mike you're human too. And even if you have this, like you know, level of support that you're guaranteeing. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. You know, a lot of clients will be like, yeah, it's a two, three, four man team, whatever it is. I understand. So you just say, sorry, man, like we're gone for, you know, holiday or, hey, like I got stuck in, in a snowdrift today. So I have to deal with my car, like, sorry. And I'll just tell people that. And I, and I have been, we have been commended. And I think I've mentioned this on the show is sometimes I'll just tell people like, ah, shoot, sorry, man, I forgot. And he's like, he's like, oh, we have one client that said like, you're the only person the service staff that he's dealt with that'll say that i like just oh shoot sorry man i forgot because that's what happened like well, i'm not gonna make up this thing like we are committed to like no you know sorry oh, damn sorry man i forgot literally that's my reaction yep so um that's that that concludes my points um okay i think it's time for the uh the, the twist this is this is a cool one um i i like this so this isn't a holiday i'm gonna let you take it away mike but uh, this isn't a normal holiday buyer's guide where we like, you know, list a bunch of items. This is a uh, men- a gift mentality guide, I think.
2: Yeah, like it, it's a way it's it's how to give a better gift, essentially. Right. Um, uh, We're in the holiday season. Uh, this will be released sometime in the first week of December. So we're getting to the point where everyone's going to be scrambling to buy gifts if you haven't already. Uh, but we, I just wanted to put out a little bit of a note here. Like I've been doing gift giving for me has been pretty stressful in my life because I always, I'm always worried that the person that's getting the gift won't like it. I'm always worried that maybe I'm spending too much money or too little money. Like that's always been kind of a stress point in my life and I've been trying to get better at it. So I've just, I just want to give my advice over the last few years that I've taken myself uh, and I've received myself out to the people before they start going on this frenzy panic of buying gifts for everyone. Um, And again, like there's not like we might give some advice on certain ideas for gifts but we're not going to be giving any specific like gift like you know get this razor computer for your person and here's the link for it there's not gonna be any affiliate links there's not gonna be any affiliate marketing this is just literally matt and i talking about our personal experience with gift giving and what we find works best and what we've researched works best i've actually linked an article um in the show notes if we ever post them uh that will be i think it's a willpatrick.co.uk article and it's kind of like an idea of like how to give the best gifts to people so i've read that but i'm using other stuff as well so
1: you know what i'll i'll uh whether it's with the post with the show or whatever i'll i'll tweet out the link just to give them credit as well just because i right now our site's in limbo (laughs) between between new and old so
2: yeah, we're building a new site, so we're not really posting our links on, on our old site. Uh, we should probably just take it down and put like, a under, under construction or something. Yeah, there's also... Uh, yeah.
1: there's They're complaining about a conf- uh, how something's configured, and I've been ignoring that email. And I feel as yeah, though we probably too. shouldn't be doing that. Like We should probably yeah, just take should, the site should, down and then actually We have should have probably it. take the site down. Yeah. yeah,
2: because we have a new site being built, and it's it, it's in progress. So uh, And it's not re- critical to our work, because everything can be found on, on the podcast site. So it's all good. But... Regardless, um, just to get into it a little bit, so giving gifts doesn't have to be super complicated, uh, and doesn't have to have these like crazy metrics that you need to think of, or or just randomness that you that you kind of have associated with, with gift giving all, all over your your lives or whatever. Um, the important thing is to give a gift that will be somewhat useful to the person, something that they can actually use in a variety of ways, maybe even Uh, has decent quality. So is it going to last for like a second or is it going to last for years or is it going to last for a year? And maybe, and also, and I think most importantly, stuff that they actually have asked for. So this is the one that's kind of, that's kind of been tough for me because for me, I've always been like very hesitant to ask someone, Hey, what do you want for Christmas? Or what do you want for your birthday? Because I feel like that's a cop-out. Right, Because I'm like, oh, then I'm not going to be able to surprise you with it. But what I found and what kind of works best is if you and your friend group and your family are open with each other about this through either conversation and asking or through like a gift list or a wish list situation, either on Amazon or there's many other wish list applications out there where you can actually share a wish list with each other and with your friend group. And in that case, like, first of all, in a wish list, you'll have a variety of things to choose from in different price points. And when you get something, there's still that element of surprise, right? Like, because a, a lot of people like, like to oh, give a gift. Nice. And be, yeah, that's nice. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, I got this one out of, out of the wishlist. That's amazing. And a lot of people like to give a gift and have a little bit of a surprise to it because that's part of it. But it's not like when you're receiving a gift, Matt, is the surprise the most important part to you?
1: Uh, Not necessarily. So like last year, last year, a friend or two, uh, so I, I, okay. So this is what happened. So I was, I was trying to, I wanted to buy a tablet, like a personal tablet. This was my journey into having a personal device. And I wanted wanted one where I didn't have email and stuff where I like pick up this, this, this tablet, whatever it was going to be. And I was just going to use it for personal use, YouTube, whatever. And I was looking at like Samsung tablets and stuff. Cause I have a Samsung phone, but like Android tablets are just sort of like, eh. And I was going to buy them, but I was like, fuck, like, like I'm buying like a really good, um, I'm buying a really good phone. I don't want like a subpar tablet experience, or I'm just not going to use it. And so, in my opinion, I really like iPads. I always have. And I have an iPad mini original that's old, old, old. And so, I was like, man, I use this thing for years and years. I should just buy an iPad, but it's too much, even on, I think it was Black Friday deal. And I had a friend that was like, you know what? I don't know what to get you. And I think it was a couple of friends that were like, I don't know what to get you. And like, an iPad's too much, but... Would you like me to e transfer you? Like, we'll, we'll all group by and you also pool your money and like you get an iPad. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that sounds great. That's kick ass. That's kick ass. So now I have a brand new iPad, leather case, big glass cover, and I use it all the time.
2: That's exactly it. Like, it's weird because on the other hand, on my side, I'm like, I want to give something that's surprising someone, but I like to receive gifts that I need and want. And I don't really care about the surprise. That much. Like, yes, I, in Christmas morning when I was a kid and I was opening a box, I was like, oh, what's in here? That gambling instinct, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a loot box right now. Uh, but that goes away immediately right after you open it. Whereas yeah. the actual item that you get, if it's useful, will not go away immediately. And I'll think of the, the person as I'm using it, even if it's something that I asked for directly. Well, you're, um, I don't
1: know how your family deals with this, but like our family is a big gift-giving family. Um so like we spent a lot of money on gifts for each other uh a fair bit and like random gifts too. Like oh I went out to Walmart or something and I like found this thing that was cool and I just gave it to you. Like here you go. Um and we do like we do like a lot of gift giving stuff. Like I imported something from like Brazil for my mom because she specifically wanted it and I paid more for shipping like does a does a gift giving family? It's just the way it goes. Um Oh jeez, and uh bumping the bumping everything today. Um but like so what we do is we at Christmas, like I, I'm I'm into electronics obviously, and so my parents when they when they want to give me like a gift they'll give me like a pool of money and they'll be like, spend this you know before Christmas so that we we basically put this under the tree so when we have our Christmas day together then we can then you know you'll go and we'll all unwrap our gifts, um but like they don't know what I want and like me saying I want this specific headset or something is not like as easy for them. And also, like, it's easier for me to, like, let's say, get it on my Prime account, so I'm not paying for shipping and stuff, so I can min-max the dollars, basically. So, those things aren't surprises for me, obviously, because, like, they're wrapped under the tree. Like, we unwrap them, we do, like, the whole thing, like, you know, whole Christmas morning type of thing. Um, But we don't, uh, like, I, I know what's in them. But we also do surprise gifts. We do, like, three or four where it's like, what the hell is that under the tree? And you know that it wasn't something that, like, I bought for myself or it wasn't something that, like, my dad asked for or, like, it wasn't something that, like, my uncle asked for or, like, whatever. It's just, like, what is that? And then it's, like, a whole thing. So, like, we are a big gift-giving family. Like, we give gifts on every every occasion. Easter is a big one. Uh, We all give gifts, like, small ones on, like, Valentine's Day, even though that's, like, a couple's thing. Like, it's our family gives gifts sometimes. Like, just something small. Sometimes it's just chocolate or sometimes it's, like, a small thing. Like, one year I got a controller or something. It's just like, that's what we do. Like we all do it. So it's not like weird, you know, it's like a normal thing that our family does. Um, So we do both. And so I, I like having both. Like I like the mystery and I would miss the mystery, but I would also like to have like the headset I want. And that's why we do the hybrid is because yeah. I don't want them to just go out and buy a headset. And then I'm like, damn, it doesn't work on this. And I needed it for that,
2: you know? Yeah. So the surprise factor is definitely still there and it's definitely still somewhat important uh and i don't want i don't want to like you know completely remove it from the equation that's why i kind of wanted to bring it up that it's not it's not the most important thing but it is still there and that's why i do something similar um with the close members of my family so like my wife and maybe my parents I'll i'll have something for, for my parents like in a parent son like you know uh child relationship you're usually just giving them small little things that they could use or something that uh you know they wouldn't buy for themselves if that makes sense like you're not going to give them a cash like you're not going to give your parents cash you're not going to give your parents something like that no you're going to give them something small that makes like practical makes sense usually a surprise gift of some sorts that's still that's still kind of the tradition for our our family as well and even with my wife my wife and i have the same kind of thing where we usually each buy each other one kind of big thing that we've both agreed on so uh for instance it would be like a phone for me and like for my wife it would be a phone or maybe like a necklace or something um something that like is a little bit larger but is for sure something that they want and then we have a side like a, a either one or a couple side gifts that are mostly surprise and based on like you know their interests or something that they said a while ago you know one of those things and that's kind of how we handle it whereas with my friends i've realized that it's just better you're not going to be buying your friends multiple gifts. Like, let's be serious. Like, unless, unless you're an even bigger gift giver than all of us. With friends, in my opinion, it's better to either do like something like Secret Santa if, you have a, if you're monetarily constrained or have a very clear list of things and just send each other those lists because it's just easier. Like, your friends are also getting gifts for their parents. Your friends are also getting gifts for their loved ones and having to add you to it and then having to think of a surprise gift for you, it's just difficult. Like that's why, you know, for Matt and I, we usually do something on the Steam wishlist or sometimes we don't, sometimes we go a little bit out of the box for it. Um, But a lot of the times it is Steam wishlist or with other friends in that group, it is like a Steam wishlist because it's just easy. And then you get the the game that you want, you get to play it and then you get to like, you know, think about, think about the person that gave it to you. So it still works in that way. So you just have to kind of limit the amount of time you spend on everyone. Try to get it down a little bit more so it's a little bit more manageable i still think that's the surprise gift is is a cool thing to do but i don't think it's a it's not a good idea to do like a three hundred dollar surprise gift right like or a four hundred dollar surprise gift when it's not something that you know that they want in my opinion
1: you know how i address stuff like that though is i um i don't know if this will give away the gift i'm gonna give I hope i hope she doesn't listen to this so like to oh, like, to your girlfriend yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. Uh, so I'm not gonna say what it is exactly, but she might be able okay. to figure it out. Uh but what what I do is I will listen to and I, I do this for everybody, but like specifically for my girlfriend, like more specifically. I listen to what they complain about or what like so if they're like, man, I don't like these socks, I'm not gonna buy you <laughs> socks more than likely. Um but socks are a good gift. I'm not one for socks. Uh I'm not one for <laughs> receiving socks or giving socks, it's just
2: I know exactly what buy, to get, you know.
1: Go to the store and buy them in bulk and, like, leave. Like, that's it. it they're socks. Like, they wrap on your feet, and if they rip, you don't care. So,
2: um, Comfortable socks are a big deal. I buy Have socks by had... the
1: bulk in 100 packs. I know you do. Horrible. It's
2: like one time use socks. Terrible. Yeah,
1: they're, oh, yeah, they're horrible. They're horrible socks. Have you
2: ever had a comfortable pair of yeah, socks? Yeah, it's
1: great. Though? But you don't care. But it's it, but it's not great enough.
2: Okay, you know what I mean? Because, like,
1: I just forget they're on my feet. So, anyway, that that's just my my thing on socks, but... Um, I will listen to like a complaint, like man, I wish I had like I don't know, I have a boom arm in front of me, but let's say I didn't, I'd be like, man, I wish I could just like move my microphone around and not have it on this little stand, stuff like that. And let's say the boom arm's expensive, but like I know that that's something they would use, um, something like that. Like I'll listen to stuff like that, and I've 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 well steered it away from what it is because it would absolutely give away what it is if she listens yeah. to this, um, but like something like that, and I listen to a complaint or I listen to like man, I wish I had uh x thing like if their speakers are kind of old on their desk but they still work and whatever and they're just like man I wish I just had like a nice set of stereo speakers I'm pretty good at remembering stuff like that and then I'll just be like when it comes time I'll look because I buy a lot of my gifts during Black Friday and stuff and I'll be like oh there's some good speakers I remember that this person wanted some good speakers okay there it is
2: I, <sighs> I have a list I have a li- like a note in my password app where I keep know I what your password is. <laughs> Yeah, a note in my password app where I keep gift ideas for specific people. Again, I only do it in a to a very small circle because I just can't I don't have enough like capacity to remember everything about all of my friends. Um, but for my girlfriend, for my wife, sorry, and my uh and my parents, I'll have like a note that I'll just continually add like if I if I remember them saying something like you're saying, but I have a I have a I have a hard time with that. Like, I have a hard time remembering what they're complaining about for some reason. So that's why, for me, like, a wish list is amazing. Um, but I also do want to go out of my way to try to get some sort of a surprise. That's why I usually keep the surprises down to like a small gift. And the wish list is what's for the big gifts for the people around me. Um, the other thing, like, is gift cards are great for like, you know, family and stuff like that because restaurants, like get, getting a gift card to like a local restaurant that people like and want to support stuff like that it's 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 a nice gift cuz it gets you to do something like gifts that make you do things are also kind of cool like right now in covid maybe not like you know you you're, you wouldn't want to get a gift to go like axe throwing or anything like that right now because you're not going to be able to do that for I don't know how long but back in the day like maybe like, you know I wouldn't mind receiving a gift like that yeah cuz it's
1: like it's like you're they're they're paying for your night out like we've had, yeah, we've they're... had like, we've had like people give us like a hundred dollar gift card to like some restaurant. I can't remember what the hell it was now. I think it was the keg. Actually, we've had yeah. like clients be like, "Oh, like, you know, whatever. Like, uh, thanks for your service. Whatever. Here's like that." And that's good because like that's we get to go out and you can order more than hundred dollars and not feel bad because it's hundred dollars off. It's like a sale, you know. And it got you to go out. I wouldn't have went to the keg otherwise.
2: So. that's exactly it so like it's just it it makes it a little bit easier on you as well because obviously it's a little bit easier to get a gift card unless you're going to this donut place that i like to go to which is impossible to get <laughs> a gift card man bring i would have bought it, back it to the, that. Instant, the instant we had trouble and then they had it, no, it okay, been like so, nope i'm buying this right now so the problem is is that i don't even want to support them at that point oh like, my god they're incompetent their incompetence makes me want to support them less I'm still gonna get their donuts. I like their donuts, but regardless, (laughs) I don't don't want to get a a gift card. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still a customer. Like, I'm not. I'm not angry enough to be not a customer. But I'm not gonna get a gift card from them probably ever because it's just it. To me, it's ludicrous for a business to not be able to give me a gift card. Uh,
1: The thing is, though, and the way I'm looking at it is, they probably didn't. They probably have a number of like how many gift cards they sell each year they probably well ordered over and then covid shifted the numbers so that it went up like i wouldn't be surprised if covid was
2: like makes the numbers go up go to a new gift card supplier like it shouldn't be a 3 lead like time period oh it would be if we wanted eat...
1: gift cards it'd be fucking two months <laughs> probably it'd then probably i would be go on, two i would
2: go to an online service you can do email gift cards yeah
1: that's true but you also, also gotta remember that we're also in web they're in donuts
2: so I when, know, they're like, like,
1: when they're it's like, just, oh, we, we're out of gift cards? Well, I need to go and like bake these donuts so like, I don't got time.
2: I Gift cards are a huge incentive, incentivizer of gaining new customers. They're free money. Yeah, but you also it's sold just, out. You did well. It seems – I understand, but you still want to be able to sell <laughs> free money no matter what. It just – it seems like if I was to run – if I was a restaurant, a local restaurant, I was to run out of gift cards, I would make that one of my top priorities. Of figuring that problem out, I wouldn't let it sit for weeks and months. Just you know, oh, we we'll put an order in; it'll be it'll be here in three weeks, four months. Like it doesn't matter. It's a big portion of their like it is a significant portion of their income, and it could be a significant portion of their future income. Again, gift cards are a great way to get new customers. Interesting, I yeah.
1: I give them a pa- have, you ever, them a have pass you ever had the situation
2: where you needed to get a gift card yeah. and you did, you couldn't get one. Has that ever happened to you?
1: Uh in person, yes. But like specifically from those like, oh, I need to get a gift card from Zayers and it's not for Zayers, it's like the wall of gift cards and they didn't have the one I wanted.
2: Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. But like have you ever gone to like a restaurant or like a local shop or something like that and then no. being like, "No, we don't have any gift cards." No. It's cuz
1: it's ludicrous. No, it it's is it is thing. Lu- it it's is ludicrous, not a thing. but I but so was this year. I think I'm being a little more le- – I'm usually not
2: leaning. But I bought plenty of gift cards this year and everyone everyone managed like a – I told a restaurant, uh, went, went, another restaurant that I was at buying a gift card. and I'm like, have you ever had an issue selling gift cards? <laughs> They're like, people. what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> because it's
1: like how – They sold it's out. Not... It's COVID. I, the PlayStation I 5 shipments care. took the There's... space on
2: the truck. <laughs> this is a gift card. There's plenty of ways you can get do this. It's not just one way. Like a PlayStation Five has to be manufactured. This is either a piece of plastic or a piece of paper or whatever will, the heck you want to I will say it's it dumb that they didn't
1: just have like a digital solution for COVID. Like if you were having trouble with COVID, you probably didn't want to hand things
2: out, and then you should. It's just... been eight months. It's been eight months, people. Like you can figure out. There's probably online solutions that you literally have to sign up for and that's it and they take a percentage or something like that you know it could be something to do with their
1: see the thing is there might be the complexity of their point of sale like maybe their point of sale terminal only accepts like that specific type of that that type of gift card and then you're screwed figure it out it's been eight months but we have weird stuff on our websites that are like people are like why the hell is it like that it's like oh we're limited because of this like plugin
2: that's not generating any income for us i mean that's fair yeah. that is fair. the gift card is literally f- money yeah, like, the, free yeah money. like we
1: would just like tack on a solution if it was money like if yes. like, okay we're going if someone was
2: on. like we can't like and we do it all that we did it all the time if it was generate income if if someone tried to pay us in a different method then we were accepting we just accepted that method because they're giving us money yes they're legitimately trying to give us until money. until the point in mean, which
1: that money was insignificant to us then it was like bud you have to buy, you have to be in these yeah payment methods
2: yeah but we have like every payment method possible at this point. Like they they can it's, pay any way they possibly want. Well,
1: no, 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 there was one that came up a few months ago. That was crazy if, and if, I
2: said no. <laughs> I just said no. If someone comes to us and wants to pay their entire thing in gift card. Like you want to buy a gift card from us or something like if someone came up to us today cards. and we're, asked
1: We're in the same we're in the doghouse in your mind.
2: I would say I would say yes, I would take their money and I would send them a gift card. I would figure <laughs> oh, out a way my God. that day. I would that day I would be able to figure out a way to get him a gift card. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. It's it's true. I would never say no. I would like write it down on paper or something. Here's your gift card. Here's here, you know, give me your money. I don't you're, care. You're pissed like, about this gift card because it's ludicrous it's to me. I'm trying to give the money. It's been three times. It's been three times. It's I i would have bought
1: it on the second i
2: think it was the second time when they actually had it there is, gift cards don't take any inventory just buy a million gift cards or whatever just buy the there's maximum small, of gift small cards business you can buy COVID 19 no i there's no excuse to me for for running out of gift cards for three weeks if it's a couple days like come back in two days whatever okay fine i'll come back in two days three weeks it's gonna be christmas <laughs> i'm not coming back during <laughs> this is christmas you to
1: buy now man I've, I've bought like maybe that's maybe why like i went before of my december
2: gifts. even started I went before December started. Gave him plenty of time.
1: That's, I mean, that's fair. You know what? It's a bad situation. I personally still give them a pass due to COVID-19. I if, there, not, if, there, I gave, if there was I gave no them COVID, free, then I know. I
2: gave them plenty of passes. I gave them two full passes. <laughs> two full passes of being like, okay, it's COVID. <laughs> They're figuring stuff out. Nope. That's it. They're cut off from the gift card purchase. They're done. <laughs> well... Uh, still going to buy their donuts,
1: though. I was going to say... <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I I've never been that triggered about a gift card, but you're right. I've never really had a problem with buying them, so who knows. Anyway, um <laughs> I'd like to touch on one final thing in the web news here. Sure. Um you and I were discussing uh the mentality of like, you know how it's it's seen in bad taste to like buy your mom like kitchenware.
0: Ooh,
2: yeah. But
1: it is not in or bad like a taste. Broom? It is what?
2: More like a broom. Like a
1: broom or something. But it is not in bad taste if, like, she is a passionate chef that just loves cooking. So, obviously, she's after some sort of cookware, probably. So, it's like, here, do your hobby. Not, here, cook me dinner. <laughs> Basically, right? You and, and, and same with your... Like, whoever's cooking dinner in your house, whoever cooks dinner in your house every day, if you're the person that does it, man or woman or whoever, doesn't matter, you... you if it's you, you do not want to receive kitchenware if your dad's the one that's cooking he doesn't want to receive kitchenware but if he loves barbecuing he might like you know some barbecue whatever barbecue yep peripherals i don't know i'm not a barbecuer so <laughs> but you know what i mean mm-hmm. like whoever it is, whoever it is that cooks in your house doesn't matter so or like if i'm the vacuumer of the house if i'm the person who always vacuums if someone buys me a dyson i'm gonna be pissed you'd be pissed at getting a dyson i don't I don't want a freaking Dyson for Christmas. It's like the same thing as socks. Give me something cool. I want to like. I'm, I'm a very knickknack. Like damn I like cool. and it can, stuff.
2: It's it's pretty damn cool. Oh, yeah, it's a good that's piece great. Of technology. Clean
1: up stuff and us go get a Dirt Devil. Come on, bud.
2: No, it, it's way better than a Dirt yeah, Devil.
1: I don't want that as a gift. Like a random gift, sure. Or like
2: I'm getting you socks on a Dyson. That's a bitch. it. And a gift Fuck. card
1: from that donut place in, <laughs> from in, that in donut four place. weeks. <laughs> God, um, but no. So like, the reason why I bring this up is because. For someone like a web developer and for like a techie, like if you're an IT person and you always wear like a headset for work, it'd be weird potentially for someone to buy you a headset, but, you know, but it may not be if the person is always on their computer for gaming after and they're using the same headset. So for me, it's sort of like I'm always sitting in my gaming chair even while I'm working, but like the gaming chair was a Christmas gift. So like totally fine with it. I wanted it, whatever. Because I use it on my personal time as well, because I have, because like my hobby is at the desk as well. So I wanted to like sort of discuss, you know, just because someone is maybe, especially this year, working from home, whether they're an office worker or a web developer or whatever, is getting you something for your desk now, if you're a person that works at the desk, at like in poor taste, short of it, short of that like passion rule. Where it's like I'm passionate about gaming, so like, yeah, buy me a gaming chair. But if I'm always at my desk and my chair is fine, and I'm only using it for work, it'd be weird to be like, "Here, bud, here's a chair. Go sit down. And, go sit down and work more." Like that's sort of the mentality yeah. you're portraying or you're giving forth. I don't know how to say it.
2: I'm trying to get into the mindset of that. Like for for me, um, like I would be happy with a chair. I'd be happy with a desk. I'd be happy with any essentially any desk peripherals because I use my desk not only for work. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I guess, like a car. For me, a car is pretty utilitarian. So if someone got, but that's not really your point. Well, no, what about your microphone? I, again, okay. So this is another point that I want to make on top of your point. Um, if someone is like, you know, someone's really into podcasting, right? But you don't know anything about podcasting personally, mm-hmm. and you get them a microphone. 99% sure unless you're spending crazy amounts of money you're going to get them a bad microphone so it's useless it's the same thing with any person's hobby so let's say the person is like really into magic cards or something oh, like that oh yeah
1: that's a good that's a good you know point. what I mean yeah, like I they say, let's say
2: they're into some sort of hobby and you're like oh they really like the hobby I'll just get them the starter set because it's cool like that's going to be completely useless that's, to them. that's
1: why my parents do the money thing because they'd be like headset yes. I don't know
2: exactly you know? like they don't, they don't know and they're going to get you some like alley, like you know go to Walmart and ask the person there and they're going to get you some you know really cheap crappy headset yeah. or if they wanted to get you like a, the new console or something they're going to get you like you know the PS3 or whatever like whatever is being pushed that <laughs> yeah. like, they don't know and it's not their fault it's just it's just how it is so that's why like if you're trying to get someone something that they're really interested in right? And that they've done many, many hours of research most likely because of that. And you're just going and picking the most random thing you can find that fits your budget. It's not worth it. Like, don't do not do that. Get them something else. Don't get them something related to their hobby. Now, if you know exactly what they want, again, if they have a wish list, or if they've, they've, they've told you um, something based on their hobby that they want, that's perfectly fine. Obviously, you can go and get them for that. But just don't just guess when it's – don't just guess on something that you know it was going to take you five seconds that took this person you know might take this person hours and hours to research and buy Well,
1: the thing too is like with with something like a hobby like that i do find that the best way to handle that is to ask like tell them so i've i've been in a situation where i'm like hey uh i know you're really into i don't know boating or something i'm making this up but it's like i know you're really into boating i i'm thinking about getting something for you that's boating related for christmas is there something that you specifically had your eye on because i didn't want to get you something useless And if they say like, you know, I'm really into this and I really want this manual or whatever, then it's like, all right, that sounds good. Like, thanks. Like, just give, or like what I'll do sometimes is I'll say, give me a few ideas of stuff that you would like. And then I'll like, maybe I'll try to pick, I'll try to pick you one up. And if hopefully it's in the budget Mm -hmm. type of thing, because that's again, that utilitarian thing, but it's still a little bit of a surprise. Like they know the topic, but they don't know which one.
2: And again, don't be afraid to ask. Like, I think that just point proves that point. Like. A lot of people are afraid to ask what people want because they want that full surprise element. But well, I mean, it's I mean, okay the to get some fun. direction. Like the surprise, yeah. The surprise, the surprise is good if that's specifically
1: what the goal of the gift is. If if you if you know that your wife really wants a Honda Civic, I don't know, really wants a, a Honda Civic, and then you and you like go out of your way to buy the fa- her favorite color Honda Civic, the exact way that she keeps looking at then I wouldn't, like, tell her and be like, hey, you like that car, right? And, like, you know, obviously spoil it.
2: Yeah, don't... If you know, like, but but the chances of you knowing what someone wants... Is is slim. um, In general, in general, is going to be slim. And if you're guessing, that's when you should ask. If you know, yeah, absolutely, go get it, right? Like like Matt's saying. Like, if you know... Again, you know, my wife and I know each other really well, so we kind of know what we want. But uh, for, like, one of my friends... I don't know exactly what he, what he wants because him and I talk like every once in a while, but I still want to get him something that he could find useful. I'll ask him. Yeah.
1: And, 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 or his wife, you know what you can do too, is like, I did this with my girlfriend before too, for her birthday, um, was I steered, <laughs> I steered the gift. So I convinced her to buy, or like she was already on defense about it. And then I convinced her to buy a Switch Lite and I knew that she would want a bunch of games, but they're expensive. So I knew that she would start talking about what games she was waiting to get or whatever. And then I just went out and bought those games and gave it to her.
2: <laughs> yep. That was pretty good. Clever, clever. So,
1: Like, it's just... And, and I also know that, like, she throws it in a bag. So I was like, oh, well, I'll get her a hard shell for the thing to protect it. And ab- absolutely, all that went over well.
2: So so I think, like, the, the problem with um, bringing it back to your point, Matt, of, like, getting a, a person an office accessory when they're working from home and that's not really their passion. I have a hard time relating to that. So it's tough for me to say, because again, like I am passionate about my workspace. So for me, it's fine. And even with like kitchen, like I do a lot of, a lot of cooking, like my wife and I kind of split it 50, 50, almost, I would be happy to get something in the kitchen. Like, even though I do cooking and it's kind of a chore, like getting a a new knife or a new, you know, kitchen tool, I'd be, I'd be happy with that to be honest. So I, even like cleaning. But you're not, you're like not you passionate said, you're, about
1: like a couch.
2: I mean, I'd be pretty happy to get a couch. I, it's tough for me to find if, okay, if I was going to get, let, let's bring it back to work. If I got some random book about JavaScript.
1: That's a good example.
2: Yeah. Th- yes. It might help me in my career, but it's not, but it's not something I want as it's a not
1: gift. gift it's it's almost in poor taste but if you're if you're a person that's like i'm gonna change my career to be a javascript developer and i love javascript and i want to build my own app and you're like super into it even if it's work then a javascript book might be exactly what you want and exactly what you
2: need exactly so i think that's that's another good way of putting it like if you can see the person is passionate about their job that might be something like And they need something for their desk to make their life easier, right? Maybe they need a better camera for better Zoom calls or they need a better microphone for better Zoom calls or whatever. Um, And they're passionate about their work and they like, you know, going to work and stuff like that. And they just haven't had the time or weren't able to find one. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily in bad taste to get that. But if it's, if you know, it's someone that um, is just kind of treating it as a nine to five, and doesn't care what they look like on zoom doesn't care about anything else and it's tough to know those things but if you do know then don't get them a new camera because they're not going to appreciate it like they're not going to see that as a valuable gift they're going to see that as you just wasting time wasting money on their work
1: yeah that's a good that's a good way to put it it's like you have to i would say the gift the gift has to have a a need a need a no a personal need a personal want Right, these are sort of like the things: a personal need, a personal want, or a personal interest. Like if someone's like, "I'm kind of interested in photography. I've always been interested in what those DSLR things do." Mm -hmm. If they're trying to get into that hobby, like you're saying, a uh, a veteran hobbyist is not gonna, you know, want probably what you got them unless they told you. But if someone's like, "Man, I've always kind of wanted to, you know, screw around with a DSLR." If you buy an entry level DSLR, that's that's like almost like that gift card for axe throwing it's like inviting them to be like hey go try this dslr button if you like it then go buy a better one it's sort of like mm-hmm. you giving them the entry key the key to that but yep if someone bought me like wireframing paper i'd be like what the f- like what the hell i don't want this like all this what about
2: like post-it notes not- also also be would be weird
1: post-it note well i don't i don't even use them that would be weird but like if i did yeah. it, like if i like you use post-it notes if That's- i if i gave you post-it notes it'd be like what
2: That'd be Like weird. here, yeah. go do
1: more work for us, bud. That's, yeah. It's strange.
2: So yeah, so you have to walk that fine line a little bit. But uh, I think the key is if you're really unsure, ask. That's that's kind of what I want people to take away the most from this. If you're not unsure, then there's plenty of options. We've talked about all the different options uh, of how you how you can find the right gift. But if you're unsure, it's well, it's really okay to ask. You can even ask their spouse or something like that, you know what I mean, but really it's okay to even ask directly because they're going to give you a, a either an idea or exactly the product that they want or a list and you're going to get them something that they're actually going to use and it's just going to be a better experience than you just randomly picking, "Hey, this guy likes fishing. Let's get him a fishing rod who doesn't give a crap about fishing."
1: Yeah. And I do know people that whose parents were like that where they yep. would just they would just be like, "Oh, I received a a, a fish aquarium." And it's it's Wait. just like, okay, <laughs> you yep. know, it's not it's not an insult, but it's sort of like, what do I, what do I do with this? Yep. So, it just doesn't make sense. I think.
0: Yep.
2: And I think I think that's it, Matt. You want to yeah. roll the old conclusion? Yeah,
1: definitely. So, I uh, hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, let us know what your gift ideas and whether you'd get upset about gift cards and uh, get a, get upset about gift cards selling out during this age of COVID nineteen, Mister uh mike over there damn it <laughs> anyway calling you out there but anyway uh remember we are on patreon that's uh, patreon.com slash html all the things check out the tiers give that a go and many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons sean from RabbitWorks javascript on youtube.com slash rabbitworks javascript garrick from local path computing and web design on local ryan gatchell from blue black digital on blue black chris from self-made web designer on self tim from the web hacker on the web DL Ford from DL4.io and Bib from NineBlockMedia on NineBlockMedia.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been
0: listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web Development web design and small business we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings and we hope you had some fun We'll be back soon but in the meantime hit us up on social media on Facebook Instagram and patreon at HTML all the things and on Twitter at HTML everything until next time this is HTML all the things signing off.